one. The uh, Golf Geek Festival, known as uh, Swing Thoughts, is uh, officially underway. O'Connor's got a cold. This is my older brother here. Don't, whatever you say, don't say he's a psychologist. He is trained as a psychologist. <laughs> okay? He's going to be our guest today for a bit. He's a, uh, a very bright man, and uh, he looks very nice in uh, his uh, golf shirt. Even though, Tim, it's not a uh, JW Apparel Inc. official shirt, he is welcome on Swing Thoughts. Totally, I do. I, but I think, is, is that one of your hand-me-downs from a it is. previous <laughs> from a previous sponsor? Yeah, he's, uh, he's staying in, in my spare room, which is like a, where the girls used to stay. So it's this, this a weird combination in that closet, right? It's like some girls' clothes, my winter clothes, and then ten old golf shirts. Well, you can just go in there and, you know, pick and choose, mix and match. Talking to this thing. It's my annual shopping trip. Yeah. Like, really, really close. I've, I've been doing this for years. Every summer I come to Toronto, pick out some shirts, go home, and people say, you have new shirts. Okay, I'm begging you. I'm begging okay, you. I'm talking into the microphone. Jesus. I'm just I'm well, now begging you. into brother dynamics. I don't know how many times no, I have be to tell people. like you better. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. she did. <laughs> but if I do this, I look like Beaker from no, the you just, but you, If you do this, no one can hear you. Okay. Yeah, it's mostly an audio thing, Dave. Yeah, okay. Exactly. I'm, I have my nose up against the glass now. That's it. That's exactly how it, it is. Yeah, and if you, know you get a little abrasion on your nose, that means you're doing it well. Exactly. Okay. Thank you, too. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to introduce him officially in a second. So just now you can relax, but when you do talk, you have to talk really close. Fair enough. Okay. And I always loved you more than the other guy. And then, well, because he used to beat me up. Not Dave. The other guy. The other brother used to beat me up. Because uh, he was four years older than me, and David is eight years older than me, and David used to come to my rescue. So, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, I, I got that dynamic in my house. Uh, my brother, Sean, seven years difference. Brother Pat, four. So, he often felt my wrath. So, here's what happened is that David, who, as I mentioned, even though he looks exactly the same age as me, because he looks great. Is uh, eight years older. So what happened was in my in my childhood, my brother Stephen would beat me up all, not only over all over my house, but all over the neighborhood. He would do this thing where he would give me a head start because I would chirp him, I'd say something, and then I would run out of the house, and then he would chase me onto a neighbor's lawn, and then just beat the shit out of me. And then uh, and then David would come in and say, "Come on, Stephen," and he, David would be like, "You know, my my savior." And then David left home. Like he, it was almost like it was almost like being in prison, and my prison because uh, uh, security buddy. left, prison buddy left, and the other guy was like, "All right, pal, it's just you and me now. It's just you and me now, baby Howie." Anyway, welcome to the show, kids. Uh, brought to you by JW Apparel Inc. Uh, Tim's wearing some of that stuff. I've got it on. I have uh, this one thing I wear now for every swing thoughts. JW Apparel Inc. dot com. Is that a B Dratty or a uh, zero restrictions? This is zero restriction. Uh, this is a fairway in green. Nice. You know, you, the, these clothes look good on you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. They, they fall nicely at the shoulder. The seam is right at the shoulder. Properly fit. Um, you know, it, and they, they nicely fall just short of the elbow. You know, not unlike... Remember, remember the Ashworth stuff? Oh, yeah. People have the the, the Freddie Couple stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
short sleeves that go like halfway down. Yeah, your they were like arm. long short sleeves. Um, it's funny when you see like Freddie. I used to love that look, that Ashworth look, and, uh, yeah. and the baggy pants with the pleats. Now it's like, why are those clowns playing golf in the old days? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so fairway and green, zero restriction. B Dratty, EPNY, Garb, Royal Albatross, B PRG Golf, all available at JW Apparel Inc. Com. And of course, our uh, title sponsor, TaylorMade Golf. Good lord, uh, how you know we, we're going to talk a little bit about Morikawa, but how good for them, how good for us, uh, Morikawa winning full TaylorMade through the bag. And uh, you know, you want to talk about hand me downs? You've got you've got my old like Sim generation, or which which drivers do you have now? Well, I have. I actually have my own sim. Because you, you, you went I out and got a sim. I bought a sim. There's, and I have. He, a, he a bought sim. it with money, Tim. <laughs> bought <laughs> money. Yeah. That's right. I, I'm going to have. I a have spasm. your old irons. So you, but David not only has my old uh, like their TP version irons, but he went out and got and used money, Tim. I know that's a foreign thing to us. <laughs> Look at Tim's face. Yeah. What you you pay for golf stuff? Some people do. That's what, against the that's oh, against the golf writer code. What did you you got a sim? Uh, I have a sim driver. I have a, a sim uh, twenty two degree. Right. I have ordered a full set uh, pitching wedge to five of new irons. New irons from TaylorMade. Um, are something or other? Yeah, right? beautiful. Yeah. So there you go, uh, TaylorMade Golf. Uh, what can we tell you? If you can, if you if you did one thing for your golf game this summer. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca and learn about all the new Sim Two irons, the uh, the drivers, the hybrids. The hybrid, I don't like. I know it's all legal, but that the my nineteen degree hybrid goes way farther. You know, we were talking about this the other day, Timmy. About what kind of difference does each generation of TaylorMade? You know, does it make a, a big difference? And I would say this this leap. Whatever the leap was from last year to this year, it's made a big difference in terms of the way the the club uh, worked, the way the ball comes off the face of the club, etc. So, go check it out at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Okay. No, I, I uh, my Sim Two Max is just pow. I drove. I was playing in a charity event on uh, earlier this week. Drove a par four. You yeah, drove. No, well, you drove. Wait a second. You drove your cart to the. What did you? <laughs> what did you do? Um, I took the short dude. route over the trees. No, it was funny. I just busted this drive over the trees, short par four, and I got to tell you. We're, so everyone's hit their balls. I walk up towards the green. No one's there. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Yes. <laughs> Where and your ball was on the green. Yeah, we had a forty-foot putt for eagle. Well, good for you. So you know, you, you know what? Because I, uh, you do so much for so many people. <laughs> I'm glad you share in my joy. <laughs> I do because uh, you don't want to. Because there's a tendency you might want to mock it, but no. I just love the fact that you have the dignity not to mock it. Not mocking it at all. I, you know, no. listen. I've seen. I, what did I say to you yesterday about O'Connor? I said, this he, guy, when he, he sets up ball, yeah. I said, he can golf his goddamn ball. When he sets up over the ball, he just looks like somebody that's just going to hit good shots. When you know, when you find out that he has uh, tailor-made clubs, you know it, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, 
O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleAndFredRadio.com. We'll just get that out of the way. And, of course, uh, that's O'Connor. I'm a golf spiritual leader. And uh, there's a lot to catch up on. My, my older brother's here because even though he's not... What is it? You are not a psychologist, but you are trained as a psychologist. I, I have a master's degree in psychology. That's I've what been I'm working as an organizational consultant for a whole career. Right. And I got to grade 11. So that's why <laughs> that's why I'm doing this. And he's a smart guy. So um, but David is also an avid golfer and he's an avid listener of our show. And uh, Tim and I, I thought it would be good to have, because Dave's in town visiting, uh, him and his uh, lady friend or visiting family. We've played some golf already. We're going to play again today. And uh, if anyone represents sort of the geek golf, you know, humble and Tim nation, Swing Thoughts nation, it's David. You know, he he's, wants to get better and uh, finds the game frustrating, as we all do. And I thought it would be interesting, Timmy, to have a conversation with a guy that listens to our show, but also has a, you know, a real passion for the game. And even though you have made many, many notes, I would throw it to Mr. O'Connor, who is a performance coach in his own right, to maybe start and see what, you know, what would you say? Like, what, how does the game show up for you? How, uh, you know, what are the things you find frustrating? Tim, maybe you start. Well, I think you already did. I don't Um, care. All right. What do you find frustrating? I mean, oh, tell me first. Let's start on a positive note. What do right. you like about golf? Be brief, because we probably heard it before, and then get into <laughs> listen to you. you. Yeah, what do you like? But make it short, because we've well, got other I shit mean, to just, talk about. Look, I'll give you a biographical. Uh, let me start. I was born in, you know, no. <laughs> in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, post-World War II. So here's my golf biography. Um, I've, I've ne- Up until the last two years, uh, I've never been a member other than a business member once 25 years ago for a couple of years i've never really belonged to a golf club so so my but i've always been avid you know howard's golfing story you know the when you've had the, the golfing glassman's on before but i've never been a member anywhere i've always been a sort of driving range guy uh playing 10 15 rounds a year at best um so i you know i can swing the golf ball but i've not played golf uh, in a sense that I've been playing the last couple of years. So so and 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 I'm a big fan of both of what you you you're doing. So so it's been uh, very interesting being here this this week. Howard and I just spent Four hours at uh, Rattlesnake. I took uh, David to the Pathways to Par Golf School, uh, Golf Academy yesterday, and uh, I ran him through a four-hour deep dive into some swing golf stuff. And uh, uh, well, I really loved it. He's—I'll tell you, Timmy. He swings the club nicely too. He—he's he, like a lot of guys at your handicap is sixteen. Yeah. He's like a lot of guys. When you see him, you think, "Well, that guy, you know, could he swings it like he could be a single digit player, like a nine or a ten, easily, because he moves the golf ball through the air." Like there was a couple shots yesterday, and we just worked on a couple small mechanical things, and and right away he was hitting it better. He hit this one five iron. It was like 190 yards. Like he he moves it through the air, so he can hit it. But like a lot of guys at that handicap, you know, between you know ten and eighteen, there's just a lot of strokes in a round that just go, you know, missing because 
the strategy gamey part kind of eludes him a little bit. So Right. I mean, I, I've heard you guys talk about, but I think it's finally coming through my, my, my thick golf brain that um, playing the game of golf can't be reduced to how you swing the club. Right, it's it's a little bit like motor racing in an engine. You know, an engine's kind of necessary to get the car around, but you can't understand a, a motor race just by the engine. It's not reducible to that, and um, it, and that's finally coming coming back to me. And I, you know, I look at the the, the rounds I've been playing in my home course. I play at Canyon Meadows in in Calgary. Um, where I make the same mistakes on the same holes. You guys talk about uh, when you get into trouble, don't you know? Don't make it worse. And and I realize my round is composed of more of well, I'll fix that one in the trees by going <laughs> over more trees. Um, so so I've been I've been learning that. So I've been learning. You know. So I'm on a journey to both. Uh, get better coaching you know have a better mechanical game and you know we found some things that are eminently fixable but the things i can fix right now and and i'm committed to is i've just decided i want to be a better golfer which means committing that i want to shoot lower scores i i have always thought that shooting lower scores was just getting my golf swing better and and that's coming clear. Well, I told David about how when I said when Timmy, you, you're Timmy, when Tim O'Connor, uh, I said when you start working with a golfer, one of the first things you ask them is to explain or write down or ruminate on why you play golf. And I said the problem with most golfers is they they don't know. They think they're playing golf for some reasons. And I said until you make a stand for some. You know, I play golf because I like to be outside, or and that's great. But I said most people want to want to shoot lower scores. They just don't like to say it. But I say once you make a stand that I'm a 16 and I want to be a 12, then every time you're in the trees, you're going to go. Well, what was it to be a 12? I've got to get this back and play and make a bogey. Um, I want to. I want to just bring up a quick story before I forget it. So we played Blue Springs the other day, Timmy, and oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, we get to the 10th hole. We've talked about that hole on this show many, many times. And I didn't want to tell him too much because, again, he, he can move the ball fine. He hits it fine. And so we were trying not to oversell. There's trouble on the right. There's death on the left. This is one of the hardest holes, etc. So make a long story short, it's, a, it's I don't know, it's 410. It plays shorter. But the second shot that David had or the third shot after he found his ball and chipped out. So he's hitting three. And I look over, he's like almost 200 yards from that green. In the middle of the fairway, though. But he's 200 yards from the green. There's a hazard to the right. There's garbage to the left. And over is dead. And he's got his hybrid out. (laughs) And I say, "Uh, what are you doing there, fella? He goes, I got to hit a hybrid. And I'm on a downhill lie. Oh, yeah, downhill lie. To an (laughs) uphill green. And with by the water way, in front, water, with in, water front. in front, death left, yeah, death all that right, stuff, actually, yeah. right, and, and and bad stuff, right. And there's me and David's girlfriend, who's a very good player, and Paul Henrik, former tour player, and my coach. So we're all. I look over, at David. I go, what are you doing? He's not. He's a hybrid. <laughs> I said, okay, that's great. It's a good choice. I said, if you want to make eight, I said, yeah. stop right now. I said, do you, let me. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you want to make six or do you want to make eight? Because if you want to be a 12, you got to make six. And that's as simple. And then he put the hybrid away. He laid up on that hole, which was a smart thing to do. And then he got on in four, two putted for six. And that in a nutshell, that's a microcosm of every 16 handicap round. 
But if you say, I want to be a less, I want to shoot lower scores, then in that situation, without me being there, you're going to have to, and this is for everyone, not just you, you have to say to yourself, what is it I stand for? Because on the way home, you're going to know, yeah, I hit the hybrid, I fucking made a quad, didn't need to, I could have hit two wedges and made, because every time you do that, that quadruple bogey that makes you shoot 91, just it's not necessary. And again, as we've as we've said on the show a million times, nothing to do with your golf swing. No, totally. So from a training from a master's in psychology, I know I'm curious about some of the notes you made. Like, what are some of your thoughts about how people play games in general, and what you see about the game of golf as a psychologist? Even though I'm not, oh, that's a even though I'm not, supposed, yeah. I'm not supposed to say psychologist. Uh, you can say psychologist. All right. Uh, you have to narrow the question. Tim, well, no, what's on me. this page? Tell me some of these things. Uh, I hate my brother. That's you. No, no. I, it's fine. I, no, I, you know, I, I was just noting what I love about golf and why I think golf is unique, but I don't think... Yeah, I like that question. Well, I, look, so one of, we've been talking... But go- hate's a strong as, word, by the no, way. No, no, I... <laughs> From somebody wearing one of my shirts. Yeah, I'll take it off. You wouldn't <laughs> want to see that. Um, you know, we've been talking golf nonstop for for two days. Um, and, and, and you know, one of the things we talked about is, I mean, I haven't been a member really ever until this last few years, but I've always loved golf, right? And, and what I realize about golf is that uh, golf is this fraternity that you can participate in um, at at whatever level, and we were saying, you know, I could sit, I couldn't sit around. I played basketball a little bit in my in my youth, uh, but I don't think I have much in common with Michael Jordan, right? Uh, I couldn't get on the court with Michael Jordan. We couldn't play together. He just, you know keep stuffing the basketball but i'm pretty sure i would have something to say to tiger woods if he would talk to me right and and what you know we were watching golf yesterday and i'm watching uh uh you know one of the tour players you know make a bad choice to a to a par three green you know right-handed pin uh um Short-sided himself. Short-sided himself. And now I go, yeah, I understand that. I have the same sort of choice I can make. So, so what I love about golf is, is it's this fraternity uh, that you get to be part of. It's a, it's a culture. It's a world. And, and I like what he was saying. Like, you know, I, 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 we could ostensibly, because of the way golf is played, get on the course with Tiger. We could have a foursome, the four of us, you know, or three of us in Tiger Woods, and he could give us all our shots, and we could have an actual game, and there would be, there's this language we share, and the frustrations of a 16 are the same as they are of a plus six. Well, I mean, just playing with, I mean, we played, you know, the other day with Paul, Howard, uh, Ruth, my partner, and, and me. I mean, we're all slightly different handicaps, and we're all on the course together. Right. Right. Totally. It's, uh, you know, that's the, you know, the beauty of golf. So, uh, to, to be part of golf. Oh, look, I, I have uh, friends. I have a friend who, who doesn't, he can barely, you know, get out of bed. You know, he's not in good sh- shape health wise. Uh, but he loves talking golf. 
you know, uh, I talked to him on, you know, Sunday evening after whatever PGA Tour event is. And and we can participate as part of this, this golf fraternity. So, so for me, it's been, uh, it's an interesting journey. I've always thought of myself as a golfer, although I've never really gotten around to thinking about I want to shoot lower scores. You know, the other thing before I, you know, I joined a, a club, I used to think I scored much lower than I did. <laughs> I, I used to tell people, that well I'm about a 10 or 11 or a 12 handicap because you know occasionally I have shot 81 82 80 I think I broke 80 once and so you know I've been telling this BS for a long time but you know if you count every stroke um, you know that's a different game at as well so uh, Tim any questions for uh, psychologist well, uh, David Glassman well, one of the things that's really interesting to me about golf is that um, you see people as they actually are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of, you know, uh, I know it's an image we don't want to play with, but you're kind of naked out there. You really are who you are, the way your personality is, your skill level. One of the things that Howard said to me earlier this year, and it's really come to fruition in uh, a bunch of matches that I've played, net matches, is that your handicap always shows up. Mm-hmm. And so that has a lot to say about people in terms of their, well, like, say, their devotion to the game. Because you can't be a single or very low-digit player unless you've invested a lot of time <laughs> in this game. And you've worked at it for years. I played in this charity event on Tuesday, and one of the guys... He seemed like I'm hitting these shots and he said, well, you know, you've you have the knowledge of how to do it. And I said, yeah, I have the knowledge, but I also have a ton of experience Mm -hmm. doing it over and over and over again. And so so there's that part of it. And there's that part also of what, you know, how well do you accept and deal with adversity? You know, do you slam clubs and call names and all that kind of stuff or so it, it's it's just such a wonderful game but it's it's exceedingly humbling yes because we have to accept who we are you know it's interesting you say that I just to juxtapose uh, and, and tie together the you know the, the, there's that old saying I didn't invent it that eventually in every round of golf everyone's handicap shows up but to just sort of to sort of echo what you were saying about personalities in golf eventually your personality will show up. I mean, you can fake it for a few holes. You can pretend that you're not angry, but eventually the game wears us down to the point that we are exposed. You know, I said this a couple years ago. I used to think that golf created character, but actually golf exposes character. Reveals for sure. Reveals it. Um, but I, and, and we're going to do about 10 more minutes with David before we go on to uh, there's some stuff we want to talk about a little bit more cow stuff a little bit about Tim's uh, recent mid-am qualifier and I want to acknowledge that my partner has added a super senior club champion to his I mean you're really David you're on this is the show of champions. <laughs> you're with you're with some champions here so it's just easy now. Okay. But um, so you love golf and as a as I, I want to kind of get to uh, some of the things that are a benefit for a, a typical average golfer, which you are you're an above average golf ball hitter. I was telling David too, Timmy. I've had this. This has happened a bunch of times recently. When I say to somebody, "Hey, how are you playing?" or "How's your game?" and they always answer with how they're swinging. 
As yeah. I'm like, no, I didn't ask you how your golf swing was. But isn't that interesting that 99 golfers out of 100, when you ask them how they're playing, they always answer with something they're working on their backswing. But that aside, what... Um, what do you think holds you back as a as a 16 handicapper because it's not your golf swing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think what we were starting to talk about. I, I he, here's you know part of being here is my golf transformation. So the things I have seen holding me back holds everybody back. Is uh, I see to get better, a few things have to happen. You know, one is I have to commit to play uh, better golf not swing better that's helpful but i i've now decided that i want to be uh, a better golfer and and i need to prepare to play golf not just swing so you know tim said you know one of the things that you know you you practice um i i think a lot of people don't uh actually um, do proper practice they think well if I try too hard, you know, that's somehow not right. So there's this conceit about, uh, I see Howard warming up to play golf. It's quite a phenomena. You know, he, he does a lot of off the range exercises. And, and we were talking about that. A lot of people don't do it because they, this is a psychological, psychological talk, is that they're, they're, they have a conceit that if they try too hard, well, that's just not right. Well, and they're self-conscious about it. And they're self-conscious. So you have to commit to get better. You know, that's really number one. You have to decide. Uh, I've decided that I need to commit to play golf, not just go to the range and swing. And I love to swing. And we talked about this the other day. It's great to go to the range, put on headphones, and just swing for an hour. I, I couldn't think of a better form of meditation, but that's mm. not that's not playing playing golf. You know, the other things I'm I'm learning about myself is, um, like anybody, I can be as pissy as anybody else on the planet when things aren't going well. So, so the other thing I'm learning to do is is be more mature in the golf course. I I play with my partner. I'd say sixty percent of my rounds. She's a lower handicap than me. Uh, she's a very good player. She's a really good player. Aggravatingly so. Great putter, too, by the way. Yeah. Very good putter. <laughs> and aggravating putter. Aggravating putter. Sinks everything. It's aggravating. Yes. We're both aggravated. Um, but, you know, we've had a few rounds where uh, she she says to me, I don't want to play with you if if you get this upset over some of your bad shots. And I'm going, okay. So I, I'm, I've actually committed to that, and I'm, I'm doing better uh, the, the other thing I've noticed is that uh, I don't celebrate my good shots she always points this out as much as I'm glum over my bad shots totally and, yeah which is again typical of most golfers and, they, and I think typical and of men most guys yeah and most I, guys I, I, I've golfed you know with guys where we've played in mixed groups and the women we were playing with you know sink a putt and they're you know yeah <laughs> no, no. and and we're going and they both said our partners kind of give us crap for not celebrating. So, so you know, my my uh, new sense of the game is one is I want to be a better partner in playing golf. That's that's important. Uh, I've decided that if I'm going to get better as a you know to lower my handicap because I don't really believe I'm a 16, although the scorecard says it, uh, or my handicap does. I I have to commit to a number. Um, and 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 
practice with that in mind. I mean, I do a lot of organizational work where, and you know all of this stuff, Tim, is that you have to get people to commit to something and then work backwards from the commitment as, a, as opposed to uh, from, from your, your story, your, your excuse. Um, you know, I know this in other domains. I work with very large companies around culture and, uh, and industrial safety kinds of issues. You know, I, I, I've been on, I am on a project that has worked, um, get this, 14 million man hours, and we haven't sent anybody home. Right. So I understand the power of commitment. Um, yes. And I'm trying to now bring that to my golf game. And, and that's interesting. And that's a great takeaway, by the way, nerds that are listening that that, you know, it's, it's one of the things I'm not, and I'm not going to mention, you know what, just yet, but I will be. They will, if you're playing the decade drinking game, wait a minute, you just it's did. coming. <laughs> no, I'm talking about in the context of instruction. But yes, okay. I did technically say, all right, there we go. But but the part of the idea is what David's saying is making the commitment is actually pretty easy saying, OK, this is what I'm going to do. Doing it, um, the discipline to continue to to find ways on every hole, even if you're pissed off to find ways to make the lowest score on that hole, even if that lowest score is six instead of eight, because I know, you know, Timmy, we've mentioned this many times in six years. That, you know, I, I've had lots of rounds in tournaments. I, I made a nine in a, in a tournament where I made the cut. And, and, you know, the old joke, how'd you make nine? Well, I missed the putt for eight. But on that day, I remember it. I was trying to make the putt for eight. And that is the secret sauce. Is in what it, Yes, it's a drag making a quad or a triple bogey or hitting it out of bounds. But, you know, I said this to Dave the other day. It's funny when I, when I, when I watch people putt long putts. We, we were just doing this uh, little drill yesterday. When you have a 60 or a 50 or a 45-foot putt, oftentimes, if you don't make a good first putt, you're four or five or six feet short. Just watch what people do. They rush that putt, that second putt. And I said to him, that putt's as important as the putt for the first one and the drive. And, but, but by making a bit of a pout and thinking, oh, sh- I screwed up, we, we three-putt a lot of those four, five, and six-footers because we're really not giving them the attention that they they. They, they warrant mm-hmm. the point being that if you want to be a better golf scorer golf player then you have to be committed that when things go wrong you're going to try and make them as minimize the damage as possible yeah well one of the things that i've uh, been talking about i had a i did a playing lesson last night with a client which is so enjoyable he he's playing i'm walking we're talking about his experience it's really fun and we're talking about how players get caught in a story and that something happens and they go well here it goes my game always goes into the dumper and mm-hmm. i'm this and i'm you know dad was right i'm a complete spaz or, or whatever and that it's it's understanding that that's all story because it really is, it's you know at the, at its ba- at its most basic, golf is you hit a bunch of shots and at the end you add the numbers mm-hmm. and that's and that's it. Yeah. But for sake of when golfers start hitting some bad shots and they start to um, you know mope and get caught in a story, they're caught in a story. But if you have like if you've made a commitment that you're going to be a better golfer, one of those things is do not get caught up in this story. And to realize that when that bad things are going to happen, what I learned from that, and take it forward. Because if you take the emotion 
if you get caught up in the story and the attendant emotion, well, what do you think happens the next time you're in the same situation? That same emotion comes up again. Mm-hmm. So it's always like, oh, okay, oh yeah, I could get all pissed off and mopey and pissy and all that. Well, because I'm a mature human being now, I've ascended that. Putting that aside, because I'm a golfer, and I'm going to, because if I allow myself to go into the story and the emotions, I'm going to play the same shitty golf I always have. Well, you can either revert to your story, or you can revert to your commitment. Like, when something happens, it's either evidence that life is shit, and you'll never get better, whatever the domain is, or this is just the way things are. Or when something happens, you say the the real gap is, okay, my commitment is to be a 10 or whatever. I haven't picked a number yet or, or scratch or whatever. But the gap should be against your commitment, not against your story. That propels you forward. And right. the, the problem is because it's an emotional game and because, as we've said, it reveals your character and how you react to... Uh, uh, you know, as Timmy's example, you're, there's a big lineup at uh, Tim Hortons or and I was saying, and, you know, we were coming home in traffic yesterday from Rattlesnake and three different times on the QEW traffic came to a complete stop. And I said, I've lived here 32 years. It, it, it's insane to think that every time every time it happens, you get mad. Well, I used to. But now I have this idea that, you know, yeah, things are going to screw up. You know, one of the you know, last weekend when uh, Morikawa was uh, winning the Open. You know, I don't. I, I only tweet in this golf universe. But uh, and, and and when we're sort of wrapping up with David, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this thing to you. The point I'm trying to make is this: you're gonna have like th- that that great quote from Dustin Johnson. I hit terrible shots every day, so why would I get mad at them? That would be stupid. And we 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 read that on this show a few months ago, and I thought that's just so simplistic but brilliant. Where. There's no surprise in golf. In fact, the surprise is when you don't hit a bad shot. You know, one of, those, right. one of those things that, you know, whether it was Hogan or somebody said it, but I only hit seven or eight good shots around. And what that means is in any given round of golf, as I mentioned to you when I shot under par a few times recently, is those rounds also included a couple smother hooks, a few blocks to the right. But they also included a four or five really good shots. Mostly they were just okay. You know, we played um, Blue Springs the other day. I shot like one over par. I didn't even play amazing, but I just made, I made 14 or 15 just sort of dopey on the fairway somewhere, on the green, 30 feet, two putted, moved on. It wasn't extravagant or special. It wasn't anything special is my point. What I didn't do, and I said to David at the end of the round, what you may have noticed is I was never in any danger of making anything worse than a bogey. Because the one time I got into trouble, I was like, I mean, in trouble where I have to pitch out, I didn't look through the trees. I just went, okay, where's where's the fairway now? If if you can just, if you're a higher handicap player, if you can sort of keep your damage down to doubles, and in our case, you know, bogeys and, and no worse than that, golf scoring really isn't much more than not making a bunch of big numbers. I don't know how, how else to say it. So in our final few moments with uh, David Glassman, uh, Master of I'll Psychology, just, uh, uh, you please know, I, comment, I, I, I have very little to say. I think as a psychologist to golf, although uh, it's, it's as a human being, uh, just another observation of Howard, which is part of intentionality. When we were warming up at the, the range yesterday, um, the back of the range at, at Rattlesnake, which is a whole experience. Uh, it was Casey was back there, all the, the ping guys. It was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm, I, I get out, the, you know, the range is wet, 
you know, Howard's doing his stretching. It took I, me 20 minutes before I hit a ball. And, and I'm out immediately hitting, you know, so the, the, the wet turf is, is catching my wedge and I'm making these huge, deep, horrible... It's like he was planting a crop. I was planting a crop. <laughs> it got better. Uh, but at, at some point, he says, what was your line? When, when are you going to actually hit a shot that you intend to hit? Yeah, he's just hitting balls. Right. So, so I, I, I think what, uh, for me, the lesson is, is about intentionality. It's the intentionality of deciding, you know, how good do I want to be in terms of a golf scorer? And that melts down or is holographic to um, when I'm on the range, I, I should be hitting each shot with intention. And, and that's, for me, been the lesson of this week. Well, even with- when we warmed up the, the, the first day at, at Blue Springs, again, there's a bunch of guys on the range, you know, some of the guys I knew, and then David and his uh, partner, Ruth. And, and I, I took, I said, listen, I'm going to do a shorter version of this, what I normally do. And I'm still 10 or 12 minutes before I touch a golf club. Because as I've said to you, Timmy, over the months of this year, I've really committed to making sure before I start swinging that my muscles are ready because that's just what I've committed to. And it's embarrassing. Not embarrassing is the wrong word. I don't care. But sometimes when I get down on the towel and I'm doing some stuff and I'm like, I know the guys, you know, think again, maybe I'm trying too hard or who does he think he is or whatever, but I don't care. Yeah. So you do that, and and every time, even when I was doing that drill, you know, holding your head, right? Uh, you were pointing out that even just practicing, not moving your head, with Sean giving gave him some uh, drill, he's 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 lining up each shot with an intentional target. So so for me, it's been all about intention. Okay. Well, listen, I, well, I did. Cool. You, I did just you, wanted to make one. I yeah, just want to make one quick point, and and um, then I'm just going to ask, did you get to all your notes? I got to everything. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Good. Okay. Well, that's I. I, I was a, a a big note guy when we first started this podcast, and then I went, nah, just show up, <laughs> let Howard Howard steer the the conversation, and it'll go where it'll it go. Needs yeah. To go. Yeah. But I was talking with um, a client yesterday, and I, and it's he has the same issue that so many golfers have. Let's say they're struggling with their chipping, mm-hmm. and they'll go to the. Um, the practice screen and they might because they're golf nerds they'll practice for like two hours and and they'll have a great session and they'll cozy the ball up and they'll chip in and everything's good and then they go to the golf course and the first green they miss they have a chip shot and they skull it or chunk it and they're like what is going on I practice for two effing hours and so what I'm doing is connecting to this intentionality Mm -hmm. so when we practice or warm up, we need to be still making our range time, whatever practice time, like it is on the course. Mm-hmm. We've we've we're, we have this intention for a certain shot that's going to be a certain shape, a certain distance to a certain target, and if we don't hit it there, so that kind of what went on it doesn't mean we need to do this diagnosis of our swing, but. That to me is the key piece. Is that that intention to hit a certain shot, or as one of our friends says, you know, solve the puzzle that's in front of us because yeah. that's the game. Yeah, it's just not willy nilly hitting shots or working on some kind of releasey thing. Without tension, intention, there can be no feedback. Yeah, and and that's what I said to you. So we're 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 about to leave the range at Blue Springs. You know, I eventually got to hit a few balls, 
But but as I said to David, the difference, the way I warm up is from the first ball I hit, the very minimum I had, besides making sure my grip was right and all the other things I try and make sure of before I hit, I went, okay, well, I'm going to hit these first seven or eight wedges to that green there. So I'm watching you warm up. David's warming up, just randomly hitting shots. And I said, hey, before you leave the range... Why don't you try and hit this ball somewhere? I said, because about 10 minutes from now, you're going to be trying to hit it somewhere. You're going to be you're going to have an intention. Today's word of the day. You're going to want to move it towards something. So and you're we're not picking on you, but you're typical of most golfers, the way they go about their game, Mm -hmm. which is kind of randomly hoping that this amalgam of habits they've formed will somehow bring a lower score. Yeah. Well, and, and, may, and, no, gonna... and no, no offense taken. Um, you know, I, the, my last word, and I'll get out of here. It, it strikes me that when when we talk about coaching relationships, uh, you know, I, I realize that as Howard or you can say whatever you want. I don't take it badly because I, I realize my commitment to get better welcomes negative feedback. Well, it's not negative feedback. What were you going to... Feedback. Yeah. You, you're very good about that. What were you going to say, Timmy? What Tim? I'm say is what, what a lot of golfers do is they get on the range and they're they're trying to find, say, a swing feel or a thought for the day mm-hmm. or they're trying to cure what was going wrong from the day before or, is, you know, these problems in their swing. So, in, in essence, they're internally focused. They're trying to move body parts yeah. s- or smoothly or in a certain way. And the golf... And what golf really is 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 connecting to some kind of target, sending this little white ball to some place. If you don't have that part of the equation, you're not playing golf. Right. That is not golf. Golf is the based on the intention mm. to get a certain result that this ball is going to land on this part of the green and then it's going to roll to the hole or whatever. Right. If you don't have that external equation or the environment... As part of the deal, uh, you're playing golf with uh, one or two hands behind your back. Well, yeah, and, and you know, so many things I, I remember hearing through the years or people would tell me, warm up, uh, maybe before you leave, play the hole, play the first hole you're going to play and all these things. And I, you know, I would hear them. I'd say, you know, hear the information and not really synthesize why. But, you know, more and more over the last three or four years, especially since you and I did the the seminar you know decade 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 seminar (laughs) since we did the seminar you know it changed a lot of the way i play the game but the last you know this spring into summer the 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 commitment that i made to doing what they told me to do pretty religiously speaking of that is it's it's lowered my handicap without getting much better at golf ball hitting i'm a little better but not much yeah i I, and i will tell you that having a plan and a strategy has made my golf swing better because i know now i'm not trying to hit it to that pin i'm trying to hit it over there and oh wait a second i pull hooked it next to the hole okay david glassman thank you very much nice seeing you i thought you did great again really enjoyed the chat you're you're looking resplendent oh thank you well maybe we'll get to arrival apparel maker thank you thank you maybe (laughs) next year we'll get to play blue springs together Oh, yeah. That would be lovely. That we'll golf have to course do something is tough, weird, man. and, and, and well, according to my wife, it's something weird for me. It would be plan something. No, you're okay. fine. Thank you, David. I got the David Glassman. One. See you guys. Thank you, sir. You're welcome to hang in the green room. I'm just going to get into some other the same you have shit. A green room? 
You have a green room? I got a place over there. Oh, it's just the couch that's on can, the other can side. Can you do me a favor room. now? Just bring back the gain about 5% because whatever you did that turned it up now, it's, it's uh, distorting just a slight bit. All righty. Thank you, pal. And, and, um, you know, I made a par there on 10 at Blue Springs, and uh, I was thrilled. You know, and, and, and oh, here's the thing. Score. I uh, hit three wood off the tee, hit it in the rough, and I had, a, I had an eight iron length. I was like 155 to the green. And I said to Paul, I said, I don't know. I said, I think I can get there. And this is the way I was thinking. I said, I said to him, I think I can get there with this. But I sort of paused and went, the problem is if you don't, if you make a slight mistake short of that green, now you're, that you're making double. You know, I'm hitting two in there, four on, maybe, a, but more likely a double. So I took extra club and I happened to hit it really well. But the, the, the mistake I made made the ball go over the green. Not, not a lot, by the way. And I got up and down. I made a nice par. But nice. That, the point of that strategy in the you know, Pathways to Par seminar, you know, there's skill, there's strength. Don't laugh. Here's the thing. I'm, gonna, I'm coming after you, O'Connor. So um, <laughs> there's skill, there's strategy and scoring. And that was strategy. Now, my yeah. skill allowed me to hit a good shot. But I'll tell you a funny thing. That eight iron, if I, even at my level, I say that, you know, whatever you're a scratch player you can say it so even at my level that eight iron in that particular situation would have brought my temperature up a bit i would have been a little bit hmm i better hit this good because the mistake is is gonna screw me but the seven iron because i'm like i got plenty of club i can this is absolutely not even if i hit miss hit it it's gonna get there so that gives you the freedom to swing it with more freedom and that's why i say the strategy around this system brings that to it makes you actually it's the it's the layup on a par five swing when you know that you have a club in your hand that feels it relaxes you internally like having david not hit hybrid to that to that green because i'll tell you what where he was tim i'm not saying you and i would lay up but i'd think about it off that lie he had i would definitely give it a thought i'd think okay how badly do i want to make a par here versus a double from where he was and and you know, there's something to be said for that as a strategy from time to time. Oh, yeah. Well, on, on number 10 there, um, it's just death everywhere. Um, <laughs> if I don't... It is. It's uh, a tough shot. There's a metaphor in there somewhere. Um, but anyways, unless I have around a, a seven iron or less with a, a relatively nice lie, yeah. I'm laying up. And because as I was talking to... Uh, player last night and again this is through um gsl coaching you're not if you make a bogey on a hole like 10 or eight or even two at blue springs yes you're not giving up a shot to the field at especially all. at the amateur level by the way totally you're the, just you're just not though for amateurs on those holes and this is a this applies by the way nerds to all your hard holes on your course the amateur strokes gained on those is, is bogey neutral i'm sorry strokes gained neutral would be bogey probably even more uh number 10 number six at leithfield glen karen uh etc you're you know i i i, I stopped short of saying to david I might have even said this this hole is a good bogey. It's a really good five. Yeah, well yesterday I played I had a client. This guy's about yep. two handicap. And you know, I said oh, we got on number two here. And I said, if you make a bogey here, that's great. Yeah. Well that's done. Because it is a difficult, difficult hole. And 
he kind of like didn't really get it and then he got it just because you're just not giving up anything to the field because there's just so much that can go wrong. But this, um, before we, I want to get into uh, the season of champions. But first, I just want to, before we leave that, n- that is exactly what E for Expectations is all about. Yep. If you're standing on a 200-yard par three and you get frustrated, first of all, you've got a longer club than you're comfortable with. It's a tough hole because the yardage is extreme. Like, uh, I think it's the uh, 11th, 11th hole at Weston. When I play the Willie Park there and I'm playing with the kids, it's 230 yards for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I could get my hybrid, but I always, I always play it like this. I'm going to play it. The front of the green yardage is about 195, 200. I'll hit my four iron up there because that I, if, cause if my hybrid goes wrong, I'm in trouble there. My point being that knowing that having the expectation that bogey's a not bad score, it just keeps your thermostat in check. Totally. So then you go to three and you hit a nice couple of shots. It's an easy hole. You got a couple of holes there to breathe. And um, anyways, I, I will say one thing before uh, leaving a Blue Springs. The greens were the slowest I've ever played them there. Yeah. What day did you play? Uh, Wednesday. Yeah, it was yeah, really slow. Yeah, I played slow. the same day. And uh, I played at four. And uh, I meant to ask. Uh, we were still there, by the way. We, we, we teed off at 12, 12. I guess we were still. We were just leaving the course around 4, 4.30. Oh yeah, well, just yeah, we you. just we just teed off at four, but um, yeah, they were slow. I don't know why. I, I have a sense I think it much was of the connected. rain. Well, I think it was the rain, and also the. I mean, this right now is ideal bent grass growing um, conditions. Yes, so warm during the day, cool at night, a good amount of of, uh, of rain, um, mix of of sunshine and overcast. It's perfect. So the grass is growing so fast, you can hear it. Yeah. So right, I we'll have a sense that I have a sense that it was, um, yeah. They were they they seemed a little slow that day, but the greens have been amazing. And I played yesterday, uh, teed off at six, and the greens were great. All right, well, let's get to it. Tim O'Connor, twenty twenty one, super senior, club champion, Blue Springs. Any questions? I, on, I would tip it. Any questions? Hashtag suck it, says Tim. <laughs> so I, I want you to tell me two stories in our remaining uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, give me the, uh, you know, give me the 411. Give me the top line. Give me your uh, takeaways from the uh, super senior club champ win and then you said can we talk you sent me you know can we talk about um the mid-am qualifier i'm like dude let's talk about everything you want actually do, I, i'm do a little up. bit more I'm, I'm, the uh the super senior was very interesting um <laughs> i just got to relate this um i played with this one fellow and it's interesting because this comes on the heels of uh of you winning your senior club c3 out of the last four years. I don't even remember. You know, what is it? It's, it's stats. <laughs> <laughs> Statistics, Tim. I don't know. You know. Yeah, it's you, win, I, you win so much, you forget. <laughs> I started to sound like Jiminy Glick there. I don't know. I won. I didn't win. Did I win? Who knows? Anyway, yes. Yeah, what so does win mean? Anyways? What is winning? Is it uh, It's habitual? All right. So go ahead. Tell me about your stuff there, fella. Um, so I played with this one fellow who um, 
I've only played with him actually in competition. And I remember seven years or so ago, I played him in the gross match play. And I think the first word he said to me was on the 12th hole. Like it was something like shot. Yeah, he's the Ben Hogan. of He's the hawk of Blue Springs. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> funny. I remember on uh, number seven, uh, on number seven, I had 200 yards to to the green, but I felt just, it was one of those things where, like, I felt good. It yeah. was just, the ball was just perfect. A little bit of a launch pad lie. Hit a hybrid to six feet. Ooh, nice. Nothing. Like, not a word. Well, he's just a dick, guy. then. I'm sorry. I don't care. He's just a dick. And on, just 13, don't be a I hit dick. It to, on 13, I hit it to eight feet and, like, nothing. And, and like, I'm not looking for... No, but just be... Go, Timmy. Just not but, be a dick. And, oh, God. I remember when he came off the court last year, a guy played with him, this uh, Irish guy. He says, uh, John Mooney. I love the guy. He goes... He goes, you know, he's a nice player. He deserves to win, but he's not a country club player. You know what I'm saying? I might as well be playing by myself. No, I know. And, uh, and, and I, I, you know, I, I found get that, that really interesting. And I talked to you after that. I said, I get that because I, you know, you know, I do a lot of things that aren't country club player things. But at the very least, I and thanks to you, you know, I'm a I think I'm a I try and be at least a good partner even if it's the GAO I'm playing in or the Canadian seniors, I'm going to say good shot. I just say it because it's the right. Th- I was taught to say it. You know, it's etiquette. Oh, totally. It's part. Yeah, it's part. And of I'm the not game. Ben Hogan and neither is, neither is this douche. Anyway, you yeah. shot. Uh, anyway, you shot so anyways, 79 in the first round. You sent me a note. You were leading. And I was like, yes, guy, go get him. Yeah. Well, it was very interesting to me is that. So, yeah, 42 on the front. And uh, just a kind of a messy double, kind of some bad luck, bad decision. Uh, but I just was a par machine on the back nine. And um, I was just playing really conservative golf in terms of just don't make a bunch of stupid mistakes. Because you're playing at Club C, everyone shoots higher scores. Millions. So, yeah, yeah I'm going nice to circle back to that comment later in this show about how people's com- people's handicap and competition versus, oh, every day, take a, take a putt. Please continue. <laughs> you, this is the, this is, we, we should, really should do a Jiminy Glick thing where you're, you're Jiminy Glick. I'll tell you a story uh, later uh, in another episode about how I was once on stage with Martin Short because they needed somebody to be his Jiminy Click uh Jiminy Glick foil and I just uh, they volunteered me oh my god that must have been amazing I was eviscerated but it was funny please continue yeah so um so I show up on Sunday um the leader by one and I can barely find the club face on on Sunday on the range it's like what happened did I forget how to do this (laughs) and you know what's the difference? I didn't come in with a strategy or uh, of that that uh, I need to do certain things. Nothing. It was just let's show up and get warmed up and and just play keep playing golf. Well, it was just a different day, and the same thing with the guy Kenny Carpenter who I'm playing with, who is the exact opposite of the other guy. <laughs> Kenny is a talker, so there's a lot of times during the on on a tee. We'd, he'd be chatting and we'd be chatting and it would be like, okay, uh, we have to stop talking so I can hit a golf ball now. Yeah. 
But so a little bit out of the usual process, if you will. But both of us just struggled all day. It rained. Well, all yeah. Day. To be fair, describe it was a heinous day. It was raining all day. It was f- f- a horrible downpour. And you played nicely. You know, it doesn't matter where the score is, but you, you it was a tough day on the golf course. I mean, my yeah. So this, this I was going to say the second round of my club C. You know, there was 130 guys in a 17 club win. Only four guys broke 80. I mean, the numbers are, yeah. you know, the the day dictates the score. Yeah. So I, I it was interesting um, that I double bogeyed the last three holes. It just like, and I was getting so deflated as it was going on. You know, and and um, anyways, and so, but anyways, I so I shoot an 88 in my final round. Kenny shoots 89. I win. And it when was did like, you know? I've never asked you this. Well, I'm sorry, Dinner. When did you know you won? When he announced my name. <laughs> what I mean when you came in? You didn't know at the scorers tent. You didn't know. No, there was there the um, most of the, there was about six of us huddled on, under an umbrella on the patio, and the the previous guys had gone, and and I didn't even want to know what was going on. You know, I was kind of thought, oh, I just I. I was feeling like I just blew it. I guarantee and, uh, you the average score that day was 85. Oh, I, it, it was in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And so, anyways, um, yeah, they announced my name, and I'm, like, shocked. But, but you know, and you and I had a nice chat on the way home from the course, and, you know, everyone else was going under, the like, the same things as I was, you know, dealing with the conditions uh, dealing with you know trying to win and and just it's a different thing and and what I would kind of the takeaway for me and I want to make this uh, kind of a segue into the Ontario Mid Am is that it's the it, it's an accumulation of experiences that helps in competition because so much happens that we can't even comprehend what's actually happening to us. Because so much happens in our subconscious. Sure. So, so what's the difference between you know the Saturday first round? Is like okay, let's go see what happens. It's a, a whole new thing. Yeah, I want to play well. But I come to the second round, and there's a part of me that knows. Oh, you're the first round leader, and um, yeah, you could win this thing. And despite all my um, you know uh, things that I know how to do and breathe and whatnot, you know. I, I just know from the experience that I'm gripping that club probably a little bit tighter. For sure. You know, and my reactions are probably a little bit more um, acute. Volatile. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But let, me, let me just interrupt if I can interject. Sure. If, I, if I was being polite, I say, may I, pardon me, may I interject? Um, <laughs> I've, you know, there's a, a lot of sayings in golf that are cliches and because they're true. One of them is if you want to be good at tournaments, turn, if you want to be a tournament player, play more tournaments you know the last two years are the least number of golf tournaments i've played since we started this podcast typically i play between 15 and 18 tournaments probably 25 tournament rounds a year so over time you sort of have a way of you you understand those feelings you don't grip it as tightly but you know i i hit it so fat off the first tee of the canadian seniors in 2019 that i'm i'm surprised i even hit the ball i was so i was trembling so when it comes to the last round of the club championship i knew just as as we've discussed a little bit i knew what those feelings feel like because it's very familiar to me that was the fourth golf tournament 
when I got to the Club C's, that was my fourth tournament in three weeks. So yeah. I also had some recent, you know, time at sea, as I like to say. And mm-hmm. uh, as I told you, I said, you know, after you shot 79 the first round, you know, I just said to you, remember, everyone else has is, is got a, a similar experience level and they are going to, you know, they're going to have the same troubles that you are. And I was so excited for you that you prevailed because whether it doesn't matter what the number is like I shot 79 in the second round of the club championship. I doubled a 17, but I felt like I shot even par that day. Because I really, I was really moving the ball around on that win. I felt pretty good about it. Um, so the number is irrelevant to me. The, the fact that you prevailed, and it, even though you tr- doubled three holes in a row, which, you know, is not great, but it's still, it wasn't a double-double-triple to lose it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, segue, because I'm just mindful of, uh, well, I want to get a little more Akawa stuff in here. So I say we're at about an hour. Let's do 15 more minutes. Quickly tell me if you can. Uh, last week, you uh, this year I, I was all set to qualify for all this stuff. <clears throat> when they canceled golf for those six or seven weeks, I decided that I wasn't going to do the mid am because I wanted to be mindful of the time that golf was taking of away from my relationship. You're so mature. I'm not. You just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm just pretending to be so that I get okay. laid. So that I get laid once in a while. Okay. Anyway, See, now we're getting down to what's what really goes on in the <laughs> That's golfer's right. mind. Oh yeah. Yes. If I, and if I'm glad I, you're doing it with the anonymity of the internet. Right. <laughs> if I if I don't take my clubs to the cottage, then I might be able to, you know, play a few rounds. If you know what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> so let's go yeah. to the mid am uh, qualifier. Was where uh, Woodington Lakes Love Legacy that golf course. course. Yep. And um, yeah, Love it was it. fun. It was a great morning. I mean, it was like an hour drive yep. along lovely, lovely roads. Okay, don't get to the stuff. drive. Let's get to the golf. Okay, O'Connor. Okay, well, it's part of the experience for gosh darn sakes. Come on. Um, but anyways, uh, I just I was surprised by the lack of nervousness I felt, and uh, I think it has to do with that I've played in more tournaments than I ever have, and that was part of sort of my strategy as a player and a coach to get more right. We talked about this. Ex- to get to more tournament, tor- tournament experience. And you'd had recent tournament experience. You played a Club C like two weeks ago or a week ago. Yeah, and I played in a Glencairn Invitational and right. all that stuff. And So anyways, um, I'm first off the tee, and they announce your name and all that stuff, and that's kind of fun. And I'm playing with this other fellow. And uh, anyways, uh, he hits a drive uh, over a mound, and we don't know what's over there, so it hits a Provo, and we get over the mound, and it's all like knee-high fescue. And it's I'm like, sorry, uh-oh. you said this was the original course, the legacy course they call it, or is it the new course there? Because there's two 18s now. Well, it's the legacy course, which takes ten minutes to drive your cart out to. Okay, so I have no idea if that's new or old. Okay, but, neither do I. Okay, and anyways, we head out there, and and. Um, it's taken a while to find his golf ball, and I finally find it. And I think the guy is going to kiss me. <laughs> because is, this broke, just, is this a broke back mountain situation? Because I've got some music for that. <laughs> no, it's a desperate golfer just like not wanting to have to drive back and hit, his, hit five off the tee. But, you know, there he is, finds it. What's he do? He gets a free, he, so he chops it out. Then he's got about 220 to a green over water. Hybrid. Where's it go? 
So what's he start with? A nine. Yeah, it's nice. I, I've seen that. It's not good. And then the next hole, a seven. Mm. And he goes, well, we're just out here to have fun now. And lovely man. Uh, and But I just watched him do this kind of thing all the way through. And I'm just plot my way through. And I... The um, I ended up shooting an eighty-eight, which I which the score sounds not good, but I hit the ball so well. And my key takeaway is that if you're going to play in tournaments, you need to know the course. And I went in there completely blind. Yeah. And and I must have had at least six greens where I thought I hit a perfect shot you know just like it was all you know i had that figured out the number the wind pow you know trajectory everything and i'm walking up there where's the ball for god's sakes and you know find it at the back of the green or over here and yeah and it just so my key takeaway was it's not about golf ball hitting like like you've said it's it's about having a strategy that's also married to knowing the golf course and so well, let me that say, was, let me give you some feedback. My key takeaway. I, I love what you're saying. I'm give you three points. Number one, last fall when we played, uh, you and I played together. Or didn't play together. We played in a tournament, same tournament at uh, St. Thomas, Thomas, which I'm I, I'm going back to. By the way, yeah, me too. Um, I played with a guy. I told you that story. I, I I've I've played you know pretty high level tournament golf, and I played with a guy in that tournament that shot in the 120s. Oh, and there was, there's no doubt about it. Now, I was one over through seven, and he was 30 over through seven. And, uh, you know, I was a bit like, well, this is curious, and uh, <laughs> this is odd. I've never had this experience, but I'm having it now. Yeah. And I, I can tell you it affected me to a, to, to a degree. By the time we got to the back nine... And it was a very tough day for both of us, you and I. It was six degrees and cold and not, not good for old guys. So that's number one. Number two, hitting, hit, I, I, I applaud you because the number 88 again, again, not indicative of how you hit the ball, but hitting the ball nicely in, under tournament conditions is a good experience. So you know you can do that. Yeah. But it has zero to do, as we've said but but it's good. I'm saying that's good feedback. You you should remember that. Yes, I have the ability to hit the face of the club a lot of times when I'm nervous. So great. But in the end, it's back to what David was saying. If you want to be if you're a 16 and you want to be a 12, then you have there are th- things you need to do. If you're a good player like you are and you want to be a good tournament player, you need to do what good tournament players do. Which is, you know, I played Branford this year. I hadn't played it in a year, but I got on line with my buddy Lou Stagner at Decade, and we plotted out the golf course for me because I'm not as familiar with it. So the day of the tournament, I just went to my book and went, okay, here's the hole, here's where my aiming, and, and I plotted my way around to your point because I familiarized myself with the course. So those are my takeaways. I think you did great. And I think if you, the more you put yourself in a situation where you're playing unfamiliar courses with not your buddies, because that's another thing people don't consider. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started playing in 2015, again, 2016, I, I qualified for the Ontario Mid-Am, and it had been a while. It had been a long time, in fact, 15 years since I'd driven into a golf course that had banners and roped off areas and pictures of past champions. And not only are they announcing your name on the first tee, there are people watching you. I was freaked out. I shot 92. 
because it was just too much for me. Yeah. And and that's the takeaway. I love that you hit. I'm really, really happy. I was going to say proud, but that's I hate when people do that. I'm happy for you that you had an experience of making good contact in a tournament because that isn't easy, man. It's not yeah, easy for was, a lot of people. Well, thanks. Well, it was interesting. Is like so. I was like one under on the par threes, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's like because in a par three. The art, the designer is said like you. It's all in front of you. You can see where to hit it. You can see where to hit it. Whereas on, on a lot of these par fours, um, a couple were a little blind. You know, like you got a you got a green up on a hill or anything like that, and so you just can't see down. It's kind of like uh, number two Scotch block, a little bit. Yes. Yeah, and um, it just. It just makes such a difference. So that idea of really being becoming familiar with the golf course. So I just want to keep point here. I think um, are you saying that it's your sense that with Google Earth and the technologies we've got now, that you can? It may not be the same as playing a practice round, but. Well, I don't know. Well, I would say this. There's a bunch of apps. Uh, One of them is called, uh, it's on my phone here. It's called, and I don't pay for it. I just, it's one of these things where you can kind of go and it's called um, 18 birdies. Oh, yeah. 18 birdies. I think we talked about it on the show. But what they do is you can go and take a tour of the golf course on your phone. So... I was playing up uh, with uh, Ken Osborne up at his uh, Vespa Hills, it's called. Mm-hmm. And the night before, I just sat in bed looking at the golf course, just kind of taking a quick tour. Now, I had somebody who knew the course to tell me where to hit it, but I sort of looked around. I went through each hole. And you can do that. The, my, my point is, with Google Earth and the decade... Hang on. Here we go. With the decade system of mapping out tee shot strategies and hole strategies so what we did on that day when i prepared for branford is we did we took screen caps of the drives and the approaches to the hole and i made notes as to where i was going to aim off the tee for the best dispersion and where i would be coming into from you know what kind of angles i was looking for even though they're not big angles, guys. But, but just to give me a sense and so uh, i had those all in my yardage thing literally the picture of the hole so then on the second shot, I could go, oh, yeah, this is where that is. And there's a little bit of water there that I could see. And I, you know, just confirmed that I need to hit it to the right. It's all about, again, if you want to do better in tournaments, then why not sort of arm yourself the best you can? Yeah, I know 100%. Yeah. So in our last five minutes here, unless you have some more to add. No, no. But it was, it, was a, it was a really fun experience. Yeah. Um, and what I... The, the takeaway from uh, one of the takeaways from me was, you know, the more I play in tournaments, the less nervous I am. Yeah, I would say, you know, you know, I, I, I still have uh, an excitement in me, um, yeah. a nervous excitement. But yes, the, the it's the less you can, the, the less that that shows up as a as a negative and the more it shows up as. Because, you know, we, again, we've talked about this. Nerves, if you interpret nerves, they're the same things that happened in your body when you're excited. You know, your stomach's a little bit jumpy. and Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to clarify that a little bit. I think what, what happened for me is that I'm less concerned that I'm going to post this big number and I'm going to feel embarrassed and stuff. I could give a flying fadoo 
Speaking and, and of, I've really like I've just let go of of that stuff, um, you know. But yeah, which is a different deal than being in the lead of your senior club C on the second day. I wasn't feeling necessarily nervous, but there was a tightness that yeah. I felt, and so the more I play in that, my sense is I'll I'll be able to deal a little bit more effectively with absolutely. that tightness absolutely you know and again you know, this year on the final day when i was warming up and i looked at you know i could hear people talking and i was i was just looking around going i i i just know that i'm i may not be hitting it perfectly but i know that my brain my ability to think around a golf course is uh, is pretty good, and I'm I was confident oh, in that. And so I'm never a hundred. I mean, listen, I don't want to lie. I'm going out to play golf today, you know, and I don't know how I'm going to hit it. I but I do know how I'm going to think my way around the course, and that's more reliable. I just want to read you this quote. Um, so I saw this on a. I follow this guy on uh, Instagram, and I I screen capped his. Morikawa quote and on Sunday when Morikawa was winning the Open I, I posted this and, I, and I'm only pointing this out that it resonated with a lot of people in the golf nerdiverse uh, <laughs> because it got 300 likes 27 retweets and because it's to people that follow the game like you and I it really is an, sort of the essence of decade and that's what I said I said I'm going to read you what I wrote and then I'll read you the quote I said, it's all here. This is what Decade is talking about. Make better decisions, manage your expectations, and wait for lower scores to happen. And here's what I... So then I I said that and quoted Morikawa. Morikawa says, you'd be surprised just how many bogeys are made from a flawed thought process. Try taking an honest look at your rounds and ask yourself, were my mistakes the result of poor execution or bad decisions. You can live with bad swings because that happens in golf, but you're in total control of decision-making and it's such an easy thing to improve. Wow. You're in total control, he says, and I only disagree with this. It is an easy thing to do, but a hard thing to continue to do. It's easy to make the decision today that when you play this weekend, you're going to try and, you know, think your way better. But as soon as you and you said it earlier in the show, as soon as something happens that tweaks your temperament a little bit, it's then do you make the right decision? That's the hard part. That's the D for discipline. Well, you know where I was going to if you don't mind, I'm going to jump. Please jumping. Because I think that what happens for a lot of people, it's they. They're, they're standing in the rough. They're trying to make a decision. And they start to think, I'm taking forever here. These guys are going to think I'm too serious. You know, what's this, the fucking U.S. Open or something? Yeah, man. You know, as opposed to just, okay, look. Or, you know, maybe I'm a bit feeling scrambled or flustered. And I got to take a moment to ground myself and start to think, oh, the group behind me is standing there with their arms folded. And what are these... And that, to me, it not only it, it makes us play worse, but it, make, it, it makes us play slower <laughs> because because now we got to go and find the squirrely shot we hit because we weren't grounded. So the the thing that I, and I think it happens it happens to professionals as well is that they're thinking about what other people might be thinking about them, and that's just one part of of that makes decision making a little bit harder is this concern about how am I being perceived how am I being judged and all that stuff and I think 
uh, a great example of someone who fought through that was Spieth. Uh, what was that, four years ago when he hit it like off the planet and spent something like 17 minutes figuring it out? Yeah. And yeah, that is the, his, you're, you're so right. That is the best example ever of when it's your turn, take your turn. Yeah. And, you know, like he just playing with the rules and it wasn't, you know, yeah, there's some people said it was selfish. No, guys in contention to win an open championship. He's going to do what he needs to do until he felt he had the information he needed, all that stuff. And he just took his time and it paid off, obviously. Uh, and by the way, not to give this an even more of a, you know, whatever, but Colin Morikawa, guess what he took? Guess what seminar he took? Uh, the GSL Pathways to Par? <laughs> no smart guy. He took the decade seminar when he was in university. And, um, and this is why he says, were my mistakes the result of poor execution <clears throat> or bad decisions? And I would just finish by saying, you know, my brother is, uh, you know, he really loves the game of golf. And I, and, and I think, you know, whenever we play, I try and, you know, talk to him the way you and I would speak, you know, that about like, you know, there, there's, and I, I quoted Fred Shoemaker. I, I remember talking to Fred about this in one of our little private chats, but I, I've talked about it. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to the driving range, putting your headphones on, and just enjoying the activity of hitting a golf ball. It's just beautiful. Totally. It's fantastic, and I love it. I don't do it enough as I used to do, but I still enjoy that. Just going and hitting golf balls. I do it almost every day, I guess, with Stan. You know, I, I hit pitch shots, and he's chasing the stick, and it's... It's nothing really, I'm not working on anything, but I guess inadvertently I, it helps my short game. But if you are committed to being a little bit better than you were yesterday, then it's okay to warm up a little bit. It's okay to, you know, work on your short game. It's okay. And, and to take, if you're not sure what shot to hit, I mean, I got an email here <clears throat> from a swing thought uh, nerd, a golf geek like us. He just said, Howard, you made the point on a recent episode. Uh, about backing off a shot. He said, I think you said you actually practice backing off shots. I've never heard of that before. And and why I recommend that to people is so that, you know, just do it every once in a while so you become comfortable with that little feeling of what you just described beautifully, the, that self-conscious feeling. Because I guarantee you, when Jordan Spieth was going through that in 2017, he was like, fuck y'all. I'm going to make sure I'm ready before I hit this shot. Because as you pointed out, I could win the Open here. Yeah, I'm, but I'm not going to... I'm, I'm going to just counter you a little bit. I don't think he was saying, fuck you. No, no, no. I think I'm, it was no, more no. of a... I'm going to just take... I just got to take care of business. Mm. And I'm not doing this until I'm ready. No, I I'm, I wasn't meaning that literally. I was being, yeah, okay. well, it's more exactly. like... Even more like making a stand for his own... The, the point I'm trying to make is that make a stand for your own game. Not anyone else's game. Make a stand for what you have decided is important to you in golf. Because I'll tell you what, and I'm a broken record. If you want to shoot lower scores, there's a discipline to it. It's not... 100%. And Morikawa said, it's, it's, it's an easy, as he says it, you're, you, it's such an easy thing to improve, but it's a hard thing to stick to. Yeah, so, so interesting that just relatively quickly... Uh, I did a playing lesson with a client last night. The guy's a two handicap. He uh, bad drive pitches out front pin, and we're talking about club selection. 
and it's number seven at Blue Springs. Uh, bunkered both sides. Water in front of the green. Yeah, water left. Yeah. Junk, gunk there. And we just said, I said, you, okay, I said, it'd be lovely to make par here, but ideally, you want to walk away here from a soft bogey at worst. That's right. So so he, initially, he had, he had a club that was going to be right at the flag, and then and then I went, you know, middle of the green's not bad. Middle of the green's not bad. Now, he ended up not hitting the, the club that well, but it was just, it was like about a foot short, and he chipped up, and actually, he, he made par. But it was just that... He chipped in? Simple, no, no, he chipped up to, like, just, you know, like, to tap in. Right, so he made for, bogey. Um... Yeah, because yeah, he chipped he out and then onto the green. I just want to make sure That's I'm right. following. So he made you. a bogey, and and so, anyways, the the point is, is that that strategy of uh, in that decision making process, it's a it can sometimes be slow in what you need to do, and like oh, could do this because you know he wants to make par. And I said, well, if you're going for par here, you bring double into the equation. If well, because if it's be a if it's a short, precise. yeah, if you if, because if it's a you know if you short side yourself now on your third shot, now you're chipping onto the green. You may not get up and down for bogey, but the phrase I always use is it's bogey with an option for par. Yeah, um, and and the fact is, you know, at the two handicap level, you're really trying to not make a lot of doubles. I, I just did my um, my stats yesterday, and one of my best stats so far this year beside my short game getting better is that my double bogeys per round is now less than a, a half of a, a de, I mean I'm point four zero, so I don't make a lot of double bogeys anymore because awesome. that was the only thing kind of holding me back from getting it down to zero was that I'd have a round with you know 14 pars a couple birdies and a double or two but um but you're absolutely right you know like that that's why Morikawa says it's an easy thing to improve but in that situation, whether you're a 2 or a 16, the next decision you make is like all the decisions you make for the rest of the round. And, and I would say by finishing that, that is the hardest lesson to learn. That on this hole, sure, as you say, it would be great to get four. But it's just you want to be tapping in for a five because that keeps you going. You don't want to make another mistake. And, you know, now I got to get it up and down for bogey and all. Again, it's like the 7-iron totally. versus the 8-iron. You want to keep your internal thermostat fairly neutral. 100%. Because, that just, because what that also does, it does two quick things. It keeps your swing kind of going. You're less tense. But it also keeps your brain a little bit more free, right? Yeah. Anyway, what do we know? All I know is that this is my favorite show of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I always say, well, we'll be finished soon, but, you know, we, who cares how long we do? It's, it's only you and me anyway. Um, interesting. Just get, um, on Morikawa and TaylorMade, um, pretty interesting him uh, switching out clubs from the Scottish Open. Yeah, seven, he eight, went, nine, I think he switched. Yeah, he had the, the, he had the TaylorMade uh, P730, yeah, seven through nine, and he switched to the P7. And he just said that the the, the P seven, it was just it, it was just better what he called turf interaction on links fairways. Oh. So that's pretty cool, you know that the, the guy changed his equipment and um, he ended up winning. And then also as you know, uh, 
Zinger was saying, so cool that earlier in the season, struggling with his putting, O'Meara teaches him the claw grip and yeah. and he ends up winning. Um, the quick thing, it was funny. Um, we keep saying a quick thing. An hour into hour seven of the marathon yeah. is swinging well, Zinger, you know, you know what? I think that... Um, I think the bloom's gone off the rose of Zinger as an analyst. Um, he's saying, like, no, I was he's never so a big re- fan. He can, he can be so repetitive, but so Oosthuizen, you know, he's teeing off. I think in the fourth round, he says, "Well, at thirty-eight, this might be his last chance." Oh my, really? Talk about an overstatement. You know, I know these guys got a lot of time to fill, and maybe I'm trying to, but but I just think that maybe that's my point: is that Zinger is prone to the overstatement. And he just hasn't learned that subtlety of like a guy like uh, like Peter Alice or something, mm-hmm. you know. And so, anyways, I don't know why I went down that road, but I did. Perhaps I'm judging someone. Okay, well, uh, you work that out on your own time. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, Morikawa is going to win. Uh, he's won the uh, same number of majors now as Dustin Johnson. He's won two of his first ten. He's won. Uh, he's at a ten percent win rate. I'm not ready to say he's Tiger Redux, but I will say that he has the kind of golf swing, and more importantly, the kind of golf game. Yeah. to win a lot more and it just goes to show you and by the way another thing I think we should all give ourselves a break on which is you know when we have good putting rounds and when we have bad putting rounds and maybe we should do an we should do an entire show on putting one day because I think what I've also come to realize that I, I sometimes judge my putting in a different light than I do my ball striking and my other parts of my game and I, and I realize that Morikawa whose putting is statistically the worst part of his game, like a lot of good players and most golfers, there are days when the ball just seems to find the hole. The yep. same way, but but we judge it differently than, you know, if you hit a sort of a, a quick hook and it happens to hit a tree and not go out of bounds and stay in bounds, that's like a ball that lips in instead of lipping out, but we see it differently. And so I can tell you from looking at my statistics that... Yeah, I I could make a I could I certainly would like to improve my average putting, but it's pretty good. But on days when it's very good, I shoot lower scores. Duh. On days when it's not, I don't. But I judge it differently. And so Morikawa went to that saw grip, and his his puttings improved, but not overall. By the way, I mean overall, yes, I'm sorry, but it's nowhere near as good as it was this past weekend. It's just like, here's what I want to finally say, just like everybody else. Some days it feels good, you know, some days it doesn't. It doesn't mean all of a sudden, like on the second day of your Club C, it didn't feel the same. So what? Yeah. Anyway, congratulations. I want to say that on not only your your win, but also I, I don't, I want to stress this. It's hard to hit the ball well under pressure. And so take that with you, because that's pretty impressive. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you're, it. You're very, very welcome. JWApparelInc.com. That's all the uh, clothing here for the uh, Swing Thought guys. Uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca, of course. HumbleAndFredRadio.com. Pathways to Par. I'm going to do it. I swear to God I am. That's going to be my seminar. I'll, 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 you okay. can come. You can come too. Um, as uh, well, uh, TaylorMade Golf. What a! I was so excited that Morikawa full TaylorMade through the bag. That was cool. TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Learn more about all the new sim stuff. 
I know a lot of the uh, golf companies now are, I mean, the retail places are they're starting to clear out some summer stuff. So if you've been waiting, now's a great time to buy TaylorMade. You can probably get some good deals. Uh, you're going to be away. Have I know you got a cold. You sounded great today, by the way. Very no, deep, very ballsy. Uh, you're going to a cottage. Where are you going? We're going to uh, Doe Lake, just about a half hour north of Huntsville. Nice. Yeah, no, it's we haven't done the cottage thing for about ten years, and I haven't fished for about ten years, so I'm really looking forward to doing that that thing. Yeah, will you be taking your clubs with you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Until next time, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Check out Guitar George. He knows all the chords.